Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us again for the program. When I hear worship, I'm, I'm hearing, I want to, I don't have to, I want to love you, God. And I want to say, thank you, God. Is that what you hear when you hear heartfelt worship? And that's what God's looking for. If you had a choice between being blessed by God or separated from him, what would be your choice? Reasonably obvious, isn't it? This week, Dr. Corbett is in Jeremiah chapter 22, a gripping passage with a bleak message. Or is it a divinely discarded signet ring? Let's join Dr. Corbett now. Please turn to Jeremiah chapter 22. And from, we're looking at from verse 18. The book of Jeremiah. And this is a divinely discarded signet ring. And this passage of Jeremiah is extremely controversial. And it's used against Christians by two groups. One group are atheists who say this is a clear example of how Bible prophecy has failed. The second group that use it against Christians are Jews, uh, rabbinic Jews today, who say this shows, this passage in Jeremiah shows that Jesus Christ cannot be the Messiah. So this is a very controversial passage, and I didn't know that before I started to delve into this. Having read this literally hundreds of times, None of that made any impact on me at all. But now I find this quite intriguing. A divinely discarded signet ring. So we're going to read from verse 18. Therefore thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. They shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, my brother, or Ah, sister, these are the laments. A lament is what people would do when someone died. They shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, Lord, or Ah, His Majesty. Now, this guy Jehoiakim was conquered by Pharaoh. Pharaoh came in and conquered him and took him back to Egypt. And there were people in Jerusalem who claimed to be prophets who said that God will bring him back because God is on our side. You know the expression Emmanuel, God is with us. Uh, the emphasis for Hebrews, Jews, was God is with us. No matter what we do, God will always help us out. We're the favoured race. So, verse 19. With the burial of a donkey, he shall be buried, dragged and dumped beyond the gates of Jerusalem. Verse 20. Go up to Lebanon and cry out and lift your voice in Bashan. Cry out from Abiram, for all your lovers are destroyed. Verse 21. I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said I will not listen. Here's the question. I'll ask a supplementary question. It sounds like this. Who would like God to prosper them? I would. I would, I would like to prosper. Okay, next question. 
how would you relate to God if he prospered you? How would you relate to God? So here's the question. Who wouldn't want to be blessed physically and spiritually? I, I, I can't imagine someone saying, oh, no, 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 I don't want any of that blessing stuff physically or spiritually. Let me struggle through life. Let me do it real. I want to do it really tough because I understand that's good for my character. I don't know anybody who talks like that. Look at when God spoke to his people. He describes them as youth and he describes them as being in prosperity. So God spoke to them. I spoke to you in your prosperity. Look at the, look at the response of these people. Do you see how they responded? How did they respond to God when he was speaking to them? I mean, that boy, that's got to be the height of spiritual blessing. The height of spiritual blessing is to have God speaking to you, surely. And what was their response? Can you see that there in that verse? But you said, I will not listen. I will not listen. What, what is it that's, that's stopping you from hearing God? Is it your bank balance? Is it your good health? Man, I'm starting to get nervous. Because I want to enjoy those things. I want to enjoy all of those things. But what is it? What is it that's going to make it difficult for me to hear God? Well, sometimes being too comfortable can make me spiritually complacent. So you can all just listen in as I sort of unpack this. This has been your way from your youth that you have not obeyed my voice. What a tragic thing. Now, can you see what God is really wanting from people here? You see, I think God actually, there's something in the heart of God that he wants to bless his children, look after his children. There's something in the heart of God that says, if you belong to me, I'm going to look after you. I'm going to bless you. So what's the appropriate response that God is looking for from those that he blesses? Come on, someone help me out. Worship. I, I, that's the first thing I think of. When I hear worship, I'm, I'm hearing heartfelt worship. I'm hearing sincere, I want to, I don't have to, I want to love you, God. And I want to say, thank you, God. I love you. Is that what you hear when you hear heartfelt worship? And that's what God's looking for. I spoke to you in your prosperity. Because reasonably you can expect people to turn to God and go, this is great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is wonderful. Thank you. This is awesome. Thankfulness. I want to be thankful. God's looking for heartfelt, passionate worship. But you know what worship is also? It's surrender. Worship is surrender. Sometimes when I'm in a really hard place, my worship sounds like one word. Help. Anyone been there? Help. 
And what I'm saying is I surrender to you and I need you. That's, what, that's the heart of worship. Let's read on. We're in verse 22. The wind shall shepherd all your shepherds and your lovers shall go into captivity. Then you will be ashamed and confounded because of all your evil. And this expression, lovers, is a, is a spiritual term. It's a, it's a term of saying the, the, the ones that you bestowed the love you should have given me, they're your lovers. Whether they be false gods, statues, idols, whether they be things that you're more interested in than me. Notice this, the wind shall shepherd all your shepherds and people need shepherding. So here we are talking about worship and then suddenly brings in this idea of shepherding. Yeah, because God's leaders are meant to point people to him. They're meant to point people to him, not to themselves like these kings were doing. Shepherds shepherd people somewhere. Shepherds protect people. Shepherds guide people to him, to him. And the wind shall be your shepherds. What's the difference between a godly shepherd and the wind? The wind is random. The wind is harsh. The wind will dry you out. What will a good shepherd do? We read it in Psalm 23. Lead you beside green uh, green streams. Take you through green pastures and lead you beside crystal clear streams of water. Refresh you. Good shepherds will refresh you. They'll feed you. They'll protect you. They've got a rod and a staff to hit naughty things and protect you. They say things that hurt. Because they love you. Who or what is shepherding you? So who or what shepherds your soul? Is it the wind? Are you just blown about? Do you just go wherever? Or, or are you submitted to God and allowing him to shepherd your soul through those that he's placed over your life? It says, uh, verse 23, O inhabitant of Lebanon, Nested among the cedars, how will you be pitied when pangs come upon you? Pain as of a woman in labour. Now let's go to verse 24. And let me make this point. The king's name during the reign of, uh, of this prophecy was Jeconiah. Jeconiah was the son of Jehoiakim, mentioned in verse 18. Jeconiah, whenever you see a name in the Bible that starts with J-E, there's actually no J in Hebrew. It's probably going to have a Y sound to it. So it's Y. And whenever you hear something in Hebrew that starts with Y or written in English as J, it probably means the Lord, something or other, like Jehovah, um, God is Lord, which is what Jehovah means. Uh, so you can tell, J-E, it's going to mean God something. Well, the Kaniah, Jeconiah, this word when you have Jeconiah, it means this, God has established and strengthened. God has established and strengthened. That's what the name means. Now have a look in verse 24, how Jeremiah refers to Jeconiah. Can you see something there? What does he call him? Can you see the name? Verse 24, as I live, declares the Lord, though Kaniah, what? Where, hey, what? Kaniah, where'd that come from? The son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, 
were the signet ring on my right hand, which is where we get the title for this message, the signet ring on my right hand, yet I would tear you off. You see what's happening here? This is not Jeconiah in Jeremiah's prophecy. This is Kaniah. And Kaniah is established and strengthened, but not by God. You see the difference? You see what Jeremiah is saying to this king? You have established yourself. You have strengthened yourself. And this king would only reign three or so months, about a hundred days. Wow. And this expression, that though you were the signet ring on my right hand, yet I would tear you off. What's all that about? Signet ring. I actually have, I guess, almost a signet ring, but... Let's have a look a, a sign, about signet rings. A signet ring was what kings would wear on their right hand. And, you know, they'd do the whole wax thing and put that in. And that's the seal of the king. That's the signet ring. A picture of royalty. A, a, a picture of, of God saying the king who sits on the throne of David is like a signet ring on my hand. So if this was my signet ring... This is 18 karat gold, as the signet ring probably would have been. It doesn't have much of an imprint there, but if it did, God is saying, though, that's you. I'd throw you away. Please look where that goes. I'd cast you off. And you would not be. And now what's he saying? What is, what is he saying here? Well, as I was, as I was preparing this, and I, I read this text every day last week, just pondering these 12 or so verses, in my personal devotional reading, I'm, I'm through First uh, Chronicles now, I read, I read of the promise that God made to David. And God made the promise to David, you will always have a man sitting on the throne. In other words, your family will always be the signet ring on God's hand. And here is Jeremiah saying, I'm going to, God's saying through Jeremiah, I'm going to take you off and throw you away. The royal line of David would be cut off. Now, if you can understand this, now you can begin to see how Jews say, aha, the line of David was cut off. Therefore, Jesus could not be the descendant of David. Right? That's the, that's the claim by, by Jews. And, and that's added to by the fact we go on, it says in verse 25, and give you into the hand of those who seek your life, into the hand of those whom you are afraid, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into the hand of the Chaldeans. Verse 26, I will hurl you and the mother who bore you into another country and you were not where you were not born, and there you shall die. Verse 27, but to the land to which they long, they shall, uh, uh, to which they long to return, they shall not return. There they shall not return. Is this man Kaniah, verse 28, a despised broken pot, a vessel no one cares for, why are he and his children hurled and cast into a land they do not know? O land, verse 29, land, land, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless. Well, if he's the descendant of David and he's childless, how can Jesus claim to be the unbroken descendant of David? See the problem? A man who shall not succeed in his days. 
For none of his offspring shall succeed in sitting on the throne of David and ruling again in Judah. Okay, we've got a problem. And the atheist says, well, if Jesus is the son of David, then that prophecy wasn't fulfilled. So now we've got these two attacks, one from the atheist, one from, from Jews who are taking this, this line. So there's these two statements, the signet ring removed and he shall be childless. So what do we do with it? Well, firstly, within the text, there's a little clue that Jeconiah was not childless. Did you pick that clue up? In verse 28, it actually refers to his children. Well, then what do we do with this thing about childless and there his children shall die? Well, what's that all about? Because the expression childless means that he, should not ha- he will not have a child sitting on the throne of David, sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. And that was indeed true. But he wasn't childless. I mean, it actually says in verse 28 that he had children. Now, this is called the curse of Jeconiah. If you've got your, your Bible and you're able to, you might want to go to Haggai 2.23, and it says this, On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel. Oh, big deal. What's that? Andrew, we've got a problem here. Why are you going to this verse? Because Shealtiel is listed in the genealogy as the son of Jeconiah. I've only read to you half the verse. Let's pick up what it says, pardon me, to Zerubbabel. And I will make you like a what? A signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. And again, if we had the time, we would, we would go into uh, Zechariah, the second last book of the Old Testament, and we would look at chapter 3 and verse 10 and see that God is now prophesying to Zerubbabel, the grandson of Jeconiah, and saying to him, I'm going to put you back on my hand as a signet ring. I'm going to put you back on my hand as a signet ring. You and your family have been cast off. But God saw something in Zerubbabel and he said, I pick you up as one who is cursed to be despised and I break the curse. You are now back in my hand. Oh, when I, when I saw that in scripture this week, I had a chill go down my spine. I thought, wow, what a beautiful picture of God rescuing and redeeming and taking people who may have felt like they've been cast off and forgotten by God. And God says, God says, I see something in you. We started off by saying, worship is heartfelt, worship is voluntary. And there was something in Zerubbabel that said, God, I worship you. I'm not worshipping so that you reinstate me to the royal lineage. I worship you because I love you. And God said, that's the man I'm looking for. And if you read Matthew chapter 1, you'll read the genealogy of Jesus and you'll see these names, Jeconiah, Shealtiel, Zerubbabel. They became the lineage of Jesus. That answers the question, the charge from Jews. We can trace the royal lineage. Jesus claimed royal lineage. We can 
answer the charge of the atheists and say, none of these people, none of them ever sat on the throne of David again. We can answer their charge. Therefore, we can say, this prophecy was fulfilled exactly as Jeremiah declared it to be. Wow. So, there's the text. I got a chill looking at how God can redeem lives that have been messed up by generations past. And here's the word of the Lord today. No matter what your parents have done, no matter what your grandparents have done or done to you, God can redeem your life. Here's the question that I want us all to consider. How are you being established? Who are you trusting in? Are you allowing God to establish you? Zerubbabel did, and it won favour with God. Next question. Where do you find strength for living? Some people find strength for living in a bottle late at night. Some people find strength for living in a jar full of pills. Where do you find strength for living? This is a challenge to me as someone who feels incredibly weak a lot of the time. And I've told you the prayer of my heart that I pray more often than not is this cry, help. Help, God. I need you. I need you. I need you. And as I was pondering this, I'm, I was just reminded that Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, and he's the descendant of Zerubbabel. He said this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Isn't that beautiful? That's wonderful. You're looking for a promise to take home and have with your lunch? Take that one. That's great. The Message Bible, which is not the easiest Bible to read, but it puts it this way. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that. That's, that's our Jesus. That's what intimacy with Jesus looks like. Man, I need that. And as I was thinking about this, and Eugene Peterson in this translation uses this expression, the unforced rhythms of grace. Beautiful. What a way with words. The unforced rhythm of grace. But you know, for some people, and this is my, my concluding point, and I hope you hear the challenge in this, for us to go, oh man, I've been, I've been running around. I've been trying to do this all myself. I've given God second best. I haven't been given God best. Oh God, I'm sorry. I want to come back to you. I want to give you best. I want to give you first. I want to live for you. I want to establish. I want you to establish me. I want to draw strength from you. I need your help. I hope you're hearing that and I hope you're praying that as we're sharing this. But that word grace, let me give you a synonym for grace as we conclude. It's the word power. It's the word power. Now for you to hear this statement that I'm making, God can give you power for your life to change. 
You may feel there's nothing I can do about it. I am who I am. There's nothing I can do. You may feel like shield till. My dad blew it and now I'll never be king. That's it. It's over. Forget God. Why would I want to serve a God that would take the throne from me? I, was, I should have been king. Or you can be like his son. It's the rubber ball and says, I'm not, I don't care about a throne. I, 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 I care about God. I want to worship God. And you win the attention and the favour of God. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. And God can give you the power to change. In Hyderabad, India, the churches got together, they pulled their resources, and they, they hired every billboard in the city. They took out radio ads, TV ads, with one message. Your life can change. Jesus Christ can change your life. And in that campaign over four weeks, over 100,000 people rang the hotline to say, I want my life to change. And they sent them a Bible and some resources on how they could bring Jesus into their life. God's not just changing lives in Hyderabad. God's changing lives here in Tasmania. Do you want your life to change? Are you in a place where you're blaming your past, blaming the past of your parents, your grandparents? Your life can change. Let's pray. Father, help us to be the people that say you are the one who establishes us. You are our strength. We need you, O God. We need you, O God. We need your strength, O God. And Father, if there are those listening to me right now and they feel as if they are utterly weak, they feel like they are utterly insecure, they don't feel established, they don't feel strengthened, God, we know that by the power of your word and the power of your spirit, you can do a work from the inside out, a work in the soul of a person, establishing them, making them secure, that no matter what storms come their way, no matter what life throws at them, they can be established and stand firm. And Father, there may be those that feel too weak to deal with the battles before them. And God, by your grace, by your grace, you can give the power to overcome. And so, Lord, I pray for every person who feels overcome right now, that, Lord, they may become overcomers right now by the grace of God. And if that's you, I'm going to pray for you right now. Strengthen those reaching out to you for your grace and your strength and your power right now. Strengthen them now, today, a new beginning for these people. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're listening to me, watching this on the internet, wherever you're listening, partaking of this. And you've never given your life to Christ. You've never said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to forgive me. I want to come to you and I want to know you and I want to live with you forever beyond the grave. You are one prayer away from peace with God. A prayer that sounds like, oh God, please forgive me. Come into my life and help me to live for you. I pray. Amen.
Bleak circumstances don't preclude God from giving you power for your life to change. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, A Divinely Discarded Signet Ring, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.